Welcome to our 102nd episode of Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century and beyond. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host who is unafraid to wreak his vengeance on a Next Generation movie, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? You know what? It's not so much that I'm vengeful today, Andy. Oh, I am. It's that I am. <laughs> I am deeply, deeply apologetic because I was the one who climbed the hill and planted the flag that for our 102nd episode, we were going to do 102 Dalmatians. I I was like, we have to. We yeah, have to. You, you, could not be, you could not be swayed otherwise. Yes. We did not have. That is not a good reason. <laughs> That, it's just not. It's just not. It's cute. It's cute. But what did I do to us? Well, you, what you did to us was uh, have us watch the uh, t- from 2000, the live action sequel, 102 Dalmatians, uh, starring Glenn Close and other people. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Andy, Andy I feel, I'm feeling like we might be in the same snarky space. That is a rare treat for us. Well, happy new year. Okay. (laughs) Things can change. Well, let's talk about some key facts to get this show on the road. Well, let's see. When the live action 101 Dalmatians came out in 1996, there was a crazy amount of merch and advertising available. So fashion designers start putting Dalmatian dots on everything. If you were around in the late 90s, I Guarantee you, if you were female, you probably had something with Dalmatian dots on it. There was clothing, shoes, accessories, Prada. Came- Wait, yeah, what's that? Then, then Cruella won in the first movie. <laughs> right. If we're all now wearing Dalmatian clothes, she won. I mean, even- that was her goal. That's right. And even Prada came out with a Dalmatian print coat, right? So, and, and okay. I mean, I'm telling you, Dr. Pepper, Fritos, Nestle had a chocolate bar that was white chocolate with with dark chocolate spots. There was a lot of synergistic marketing going on. Disney had even asked to put spots on the iconic Hollywood sign, but they were denied that request. Yeah. So and and you know, Disney, I don't like to deny you much, but but they were right <laughs> to deny you that. That's probably right. That's probably right. Okay. So in 1996, when when 101 launches, the internet's still fairly novel. For most people, Disney launched 101 Dalmatians website. It was 101.com. I still remember this. You could pick out a puppy and teach it tricks. I mean, oh, it was cute. it was very cute. Super cute. So as a result of the first movie, a lot of people got Dalmatian puppies. And there were independent photography studios across the country who invited people to have their photos taken with the 102nd Dalmatian, right? So that was kind of this thing that was going on, this 102nd stuff. All right. So 101 is a huge hit. And production for today's movie begins in 1998 under the working title 101 Dalmatians Returns. Okay. Okay. All right. And they started working with John Hughes again, who wrote 101 Dalmatians, the live action. You might remember him from things like The Breakfast Club. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, He crafted that screenplay for the original live action movie. And somewhere in there, John Hughes and Disney Park Company. Don't know. Okay. Not sure why, but they part company. Four more screenwriters were brought on board. 
uh, two of whom had created Newsies and two of whom don't have much screen credit at all. Okay. Okay. So, so as we as we have learned, more writers does not necessarily <laughs> equal better. But let's let's see where this goes. Yeah. So there are two teaser trailers for 102 Dalmatians. The first was basically so at the beginning of this movie, there's a two minute forty eight second opener uh, that's just sort of a music video with with puppies in it. Uh, it's condensed to about a minute. For the teaser okay. trailer. And then the second showed Cruella as cured, has been in an asylum situation, but she's cured and she has an aversion to fur, which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she sees, has a lot of puppies in her lap. And if she has an aversion to fur, why would she have a bunch of puppies in her lap? But I digress. Um, and then eventually in the trailer, the puppies proved to be too much of a temptation for her. And she has a, has to have another coat, and this time we need a hundred and two, or just make one of the dogs bigger. But okay, we need a hundred and two. Right, fair, and, sure, right. And we get to see kind of in an epilogue these dogs uh, falling in love while watching Lady and the Tramp. Oh my lord! So, okay, so always a sign. Yes, always a sign of a good movie when in your trailer you show your characters watching some other movie. That that's how you know you've got gold. <laughs> All right. So, A.O. Scott from the New York Times claimed uh, the plot is a perfunctory scramble of family film conventions, and the setup seems calculated to baffle children, especially those whose memory of 101 Dalmatians has dimmed. Agreed. Roger Ebert claimed. There are some joys and thrilling escapes, but taking the dogs out of the central roles leaves you with seriously weird humans and not enough puppy love. I mean, it is a fair critique of this movie to say, like, if you're calling this 102 Dalmatians, that, that maybe there should be a lot of dogs on the screen doing things. I, I think that's a fair critique. There's no such thing as too many dogs. Right. Right? Right. Okay. So, yet... This film brings in 183 million and change. I mean, like almost 184 million on an 85 million dollar budget, and that's just at the box office. And of course, wow. all of the DVD rentals, all of the that, plus this, all the spotted merch gets another round of sales. So they did okay on this one too. Maybe not as okay as the first movie, but. They do. Okay. No, it's a, it's a success. Sure. It's a success. It's sure. Every snarky thing that I say and maybe you say <laughs> must be wrong. Right. Because the movie the movie did well. They made a successful movie. Sure. But but man, but man, there's no justice sometimes. And then, of course, uh, there's a reboot that happens in 2021, uh, Cruella with Emma Stone, which I think is a fantastic movie. Uh, and really, the movie I wanted this one to be. So I had... I had never seen this film. I had a lot of hopes, high hopes for it because I'd seen 101, liked it, seen Cruella, loved it, saw this and went, well, okay. I had high hopes for this one too, which is inexplicable considering how much I did not like the original animated or the original live action. Right. But I thought to myself, I literally, I was like, this one's probably good. And and I think I was thinking that because I'm like, okay, the last live action was a little too married to duplicating what the original movie had done. Mm -hmm. They weren't free enough. And I was like, 
this movie has the freedom to be whatever it wants to be. Right. But it doesn't know what to do with that freedom. Yeah, I, th- and- I think I think we have a lot to say when it comes to screenwriting and this script and what is what works, what doesn't. And ultimately, I think why this movie ultimately fails. But we can get into that a little bit. I mean, there's a lot that does work, though. Yeah, I, I sure. want to say that there are there are some moments and scenes and, and visual imagery, which I think is is great. Um, but yeah, it doesn't come together. Uh, shall, shall we get into the plot? We shall. <laughs> so we're going to start with the Manish Tana, which is where we ask the question, why does this movie start where it starts? And I'm going to say we're not going to count the opening interminable credit sequence in which we see a Dalmatian and there are a bunch of spots floating around the room. And we're supposed to be, and maybe we are in the year 2000, amazed by these CGI spots float flying around this dog. But it is for two minutes and 48 seconds. Which is an we are eternity. And it is an eternity. eternity. Yes. Of watching this dog and these spots fly around as we hear over and over again, diggy, diggy, dog, diggy, diggy, dog. Um, you know, it, it, that is not the Manish Tana. No. That, no screenwriter wrote. For three minutes, we see this. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna actually start the movie where where the plot actually begins, and we begin in what appears to be a asylum, but it appears to be an asylum for animals. We meet Doctor Pavlov and his assistant, who are walking through these halls of this asylum, and he's like looking into various cells to see if his experiments have worked, and we see like. Oh, there's a cat and a bird that are friends. Oh, there's a dog and a bunny that are hanging out, chilling and relaxing. And then we get to the final room, his biggest success, who has been cured through a combination of electroshock therapy, hypnosis, and vegetables. And we look inside that room, and there is Cruella DeVille with a bunch of Dalmatians, and they are licking her face, and she's playing with the dogs, and she looks so happy and peaceful. And that is how this movie opens. It just occurs to me, like, if, like, I don't know if this was intentional, but it feels very like Shawshank Redemption to me. Well, in, in, in what sense? I I, I want to hear you visually, just visually. That's, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going through the various cells and then the big reveal is here's Cruella. Right. And, very shortly after the Manishtana, we're going to see that because Cruella has been cured, she's going to be paroled and she's going to be set set loose to, you know, do whatever it is that she wants to do. She has to she has to do some community service in some way, shape or form, but she'll have about eight million dollars and what have you. But let's stick to the Manishtana for now, Andy. Why start here? Well, I mean, I think it's an interesting premise to think mm-hmm. that that Cruella could be reformed, that she could have a could be redeemed somehow. I think that's I again, I think it's an interesting premise. So I, maybe I thinks I mean, it's not what we expect, one of, right? One of my favorite themes in literature, in film, in television is watching redemption stories. Sure. And and this movie starts us off with this idea that has Cruella actually been cured? 
And of course, I think in our heart of hearts, we know that the answer is no. But, you know, like, it's interesting. We're, even though what we're seeing is that she's playing with dogs and she looks like she's having a great time. Instinctively, we know releasing her is a bad idea. This is a this is going to lead to conflict. If for no other reason than we're watching a movie and this is how we're starting, right? No, this can't this can't possibly be you release Cruella Deville and the world becomes a better place. Right. So it's interesting. It it and look, plenty of Disney movies start on their villain, but this is the only Disney movie I can think of where we start with our villain and only to 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 be try to be conned into thinking maybe our villain is our hero. Right? Yeah. It's it's a weird one. It is weird. It is weird. And and also, you know, my first thought watching this was, oh, has Cruella really changed or is she faking it? That's the question, right? right. Then they don't give us a hint. That, like, if they gave us a hint in this opening that actually she's faking it, mm-hmm. then I would know exactly why we're starting where we're starting. Right. We get to see that we get to see that she is pulling off this elaborate con that's going to get her out. But that actually, doesn't happen. Andy, that doesn't happen. She's not she's not faking it. We can talk more about that a little bit later. So look, that's all exposition. Cruella's been in jail. She's out of jail. And because she's out of jail, we she needs to start meeting with a parole officer. And the parole officer starts by meeting with uh one of one of our main characters whose name I can't remember, but he's not Kevin, he's Kevin's friend. Kevin and Ian? friend run is it Ian? Ian. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Kevin and Ian run the second chance dog shelter. And Ian's kind of a bit of a screw up. Uh, but he he says to the parole officer, who's Chloe, he says, he says, basically, you know, uh, I'm a good guy now. I am working at a second at, at a second chance dog shelter, blah, 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 blah. Chloe's uh office is really close to Big Ben. That gets established very early on. And Chloe is called away from work because her dog, a Dalmatian, is going into labor and the puppies are coming. So she leaves uh, to go home. Uh, the puppies are born. One of them has no spots. That dog is named Oddball. But Chloe also finds out that her new person who's coming to parole is Cruella DeVille. And that that's all happening. We're moving towards that all feels like uh that all feels like exposition to me. But is that the inciting incident? Because I'm having trouble pinpointing it. Is the inciting incident Cruella goes to Chloe? I don't think it is. So what is the inciting incident? The inciting incident is the moment that gets our protagonist on their journey. And we are uncertain who our protagonist is. And we'll come back to, and that's why we're having a hard time here. Because you could make the case that it's Chloe. You might think that it's Ian, but it's not. You might think that it's Kevin who runs the dog shelter. You might think it's the dogs. But the inciting incident has to be something that happens in the protagonist's life. And what Andy is saying is there's a moment. So for the first 15, 20, 30 minutes of the movie, Cruella DeVille is going around saying her name is Ella. 
and behaving as a good person would. She purchases the second chance dog shelter. Um, she really is trying to be a good, better person. She locks all of her furs away and what have you. And Andy is saying the inciting incident is Ella hears the ticking clock from Big Ben, which shocks her and turns her back into Cruella. Because apparently there's a bell that ends that. Well, his name is Dr. Pavlov. So he must, you know, <laughs> number one, if your name, if your last name is Pavlov, you must go into psychiatry or right. or what have you. Right. But quite, and but, must use operant conditioning. But this, and, is a big, uh, this is a big question for me, because if she's using operant conditioning, if she hears a bell, doesn't that further her? desire to be a good person why does it take her away from it and why would you just why would you instill in somebody the opportunity to go backwards with a with a condition that doesn't it's make not any on sense. purpose no well so he thinks he's permanently cured her there's a moment where we see one of his assistant scientists watching a movie uh-huh. and that movie plays the tone of big ben striking and it reverses all the conditioning on all of the animals the dog attacks the rabbit the the cat eats the bird uh they are, and so they know they know there's a flaw in this treatment um and that dr pavlov hushes it up so when cruella shows up at this uh, conveniently placed work uh work office right across from big ben and big ben goes off it wipes all, away all of her conditioning and returns her to cruella deville the problem with this being the inciting incident is as follows. Cru- if Cruella's n- our antagonist, and for the rest of the movie she's going to be, the inciting incident has to be something that happens to the the protagonist, not something that happens to the antagonist. Right. And if, she- and if she's been occupying this protagonist space for the first 15 to 20 minutes, mm. but we haven't established any of the other characters as the actual protagonist who we're following, how do we know what the inciting incident is. So it could be, if you think Chloe is the inciting incident, Chloe is the protagonist, the inciting incident is she meets Ella DeVille. But that isn't it. It could be that Ella purchasing the second chance dog shelter is Kevin's inciting incident. Yeah. But it's not. No. Because when she's doing those things, she's she's doing them, uh, Ella is doing them legitimately She's not, it's not part of her plan. The inciting incident, therefore, is neither Chloe nor Kevin recognize that Ella has transformed into Cruella again. It is an inciting incident that happens in the protagonist's lives right. that they do not notice and can't pinpoint yeah. and have no idea why it happened. So they can't make any choices about it. They make no choices. Right. They don't recognize that they're on a journey. We in the audience, the only person who's going on a journey is Cruella. Right. But we in the audience know that our character, like our characters think that the thing that's happened in this movie is they've met each other and they're starting to date. Right. And and there's no conflict because they like each other. And, and so, there's no conflict. And so the only kind of movie that this kind of structure works in, I think, is a horror movie. Yes. Ooh, talk about that. Why do you think horror? Well, horror, because we get to see the bad person, they're the good person turn evil and then wreak havoc on the lives of 
the people around them, right? But there's always, mm-hmm. even in a horror movie, there's always one person who's the hero who is not the antagonist, right? So in this sense, Cruella is operating as if she is the haunted house that the audience knows is haunted. Right. But our characters are slow to pick up on something is wrong. Right. The dogs are like the children in the movie who get a sense that something's not right here. But mom and dad are in the house and they're like, everything is fine. Every house has has like, you know, a demon in the basement. It's fine. I think you're right. And especially when we get to the end of this movie, I think this does become maybe the world's first G-rated horror movie of all time. But uh, but we'll we'll get to it. So So if the inciting incident is Ella comes back to Cruella, we get a bunch of rising action in which Cruella now decides she wants to, as in the first movie, wear fur again, and specifically Dalmatian fur, uh-huh. in which, and I need to say it again, she would look amazing. That drawing of her in the Dalmatian outfit looks amazing. Yeah, she would look makes- so good. Yeah. She would. She would. Um, and there are complications to this, however, because if she dognaps again, the judge said, all of your money will go to the local dog shelter. So- Cruella starts putting together pieces to put her plan into action. She contacts um, a a uh, furrier mm-hmm. named Jean Pierre Le Pelt, who will will kill the dogs for her and make make the dogs into clothes. She needs a hundred and two now because she also wants to wear a hat, and uh, you know, like like the 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 dress is not enough. She also wants a a hat to to put it off, and you know what. At this point, like, like, fine, whatever. I'm, uh, we need to work the title in here somehow. Um, she also needs to frame Kevin for kidnapping the dogs because obviously, if Dalmatians go missing, she will be the first suspect. How many right. people out there in the world have have as their mo the Dalmatians? So what she does is she has Kevin framed for stealing the Dalmatians. And says that he's framing her for stealing the Dalmatians to get her money. It's complicated. And it's also really stupid because she doesn't have enough Dalmatians. And while Kevin is in jail, she decides she needs to steal even more Dalmatians. You you get all your Dalmatians first, and then you get somebody else to go to jail for it. Right. Doing it in the opposite order makes no sense. We haven't even, there's so many details to this. I need to get through plot. I just want to bring up some details that I didn't work in. One of the dogs, Oddball, has no spots and feels bad about the fact that she has no spots. And she goes looking for spots. And is strangely there's named also, Oddball so that she will feel better about herself. <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, she's got low self-esteem. And, like, Chloe's like, I don't understand why this dog I named Oddball uh, has low self-esteem about not having spots. Um, it's not like I named her my first choice, which was Freakzilla after my, after my mother, Freakzilla. Uh, but whatever, whatever. Right. Um, we, we also have not talked about how at Kevin's dog shelter, where there are no Dalmatians, but good news, 102 Dalmatians are not, dogs are not enough for this. We get even more dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a parrot 
that thinks it's a dog, and that parrot is completely at human intelligence levels. Uh, it's not repeating what people say. This is this is Iago level parrot intelligence, fully capable of talking and fully deluded into thinking it's a dog and can't fly. We get no backstory as to why this parrot thinks this, um, but it's there. Right. Models were. Cruella, ultimately, she's got the dogs. They go on the Orient Express, because do you get it, Andy? What happens on the Orient Express? Anyway, they're on the Orient Express shipping the dogs to Paris, where they will be killed and mated to close. Oddball escapes, assisted by the parrot. Everybody, our, our main characters, Kevin and Chloe and the, the non-Dalmatian dogs, also come to Paris. Andy, what is the climax oh of this Oh my movie? gosh, the climax of this movie. Now, I was texting you while I was watching this because I was like, oh my goodness. So, yes. Cruella de Vil, uh, there's a chase going on between Cruella and um, Oddball and some of the other dogs. Uh, but ultimately, the dogs put Cruella into, they're at a bakery. And they mm-hmm. put her in some sort of uh, batter, and they ba- mm-hmm. they put her in an oven and bake her. And when she goes into the oven, the door closes shut, and we see the red fire inside the oven. Right. And for a moment, in our mind's eye imagination, <laughs> we assume that what's going on inside that oven is Cruella is being horribly burned to death. Well, yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying she doesn't deserve that fate, but it was a strange image to conjure during this G-rated movie. Right. And I, I my, that was my first thought was, oh my gosh. And then the second was G-rating. And I was like, wow, this is come, this is at the same time a princess diaries is being made. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, it's the same time frame. How how are they worried about losing their G rating when somebody just put Cruella DeVille in an oven? There is one moment where Cruella, there's a bunch of like guillotine blades coming yes. from the ceiling. That was my next. And Cruella, yeah. yeah, Cruella throws Oddball to the blades. And there's a moment where we don't see Oddball, and in our mind's eye, we imagine that Oddball has been chopped into three separate slices. Yep, she has not been. She's fine. But but I think the point that we're making here is they're operating under the idea of since we don't see terrible things happen, it's G-rated. But I would argue, and I, I know you're with me on this. I'm completely if you with make you. Me imagine terrible things are happening. Then terrible it things are matter. happening. Right. It doesn't matter whether I see it or not. I'm seeing it in my theater, in my mind. Well, and we might say, well, but the, you know, to play the devil's advocate, we could say, well, you know, the the evil queen fell to her death and um, in Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, they, they both fall to their death. So, and we don't see that. So how is this any different? And I think it is different because it's not animated. It is live action. And I think... Yeah, there are horror movies made like this, you know? Also, also in Sleeping Beauty, it's a dragon. Sure. And sure. in Snow White, she's like 
not really a person. She's like the crone, the right. witch woman. Right, right, right. And and you know, she falls off the cliff, but like we don't I don't it just doesn't like you're not thinking about what it's like. Way. It does not We're hit not the same falling. Way. We're not falling with her and imagining the impact. The other part of this is that those two have been evil all the way through, right? Yes. And this I I got to talk about this, Larry. This is the No, thing, no, no, we should. This we is should. the thing that I think got me about this movie. So we have Cruella who is become, I mean, she is redeemed. She has been through some treatment. Um, It's, it's weird treatment, but she's been through some treatment and she is a better person. As yes, as is evident. And she says, please do not call me Cruella. It seems so cruel. She is even like her whole identity has changed and she is really better. The, and she's trying. And she's trying. And she's trying really hard. And I mean, they're all kind of like, whoa, she's really. I mean, she even ha- takes out billboards on the sides of buses to help promote this second chance. She uh, wants dog. to protest. She wants to protest against Jock Lafer's fur show. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's mad at she's who she used to be. Um, and look, Ella Deville is a comical character. I enjoy. I enjoy. And, Every second Glenn Close is on the screen yes. is an amazing moment in this movie. Yes. She's amazing as Cruella, but she's also amazing as Ella. Yes. Ella is entertaining to watch. Um, right. So, and- so so, you have this character that's being redeemed, and then the answer is not to take her back to Ella. Th- that's not the answer. The answer is not to redeem her again. The answer is to put her in an oven and bake her. And to ha- ha- place her with a parole officer in Chloe, who I do not like in this movie at all. I don't like her either. She constantly. You are, a- yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, Alice Evans. I'm you're a great actor, but like I hate this character. Um, if but Chloe's Chloe's belief as a parole officer is that people cannot be redeemed. You're in the wrong line of work. That is specifically your job <laughs> is to see people yes. redeemed. You're a parole officer. Right. It's like being a baker who says, actually, people shouldn't eat cake. Then don't be a baker. Right. She should be a she should be a district attorney if she if right. she wants to put bad guys away. So, she shouldn't be a parole officer. So it doesn't make any sense then as this movie goes for her to be better and then worse. And then die, right? And or not die really, but get locked up again. And then have the parole officer say it was Cruella. She can't be any better. Why didn't you ever see like? And there, had the, our, the real villain in this movie is the doctor. Yeah, the doctor who treats her with electroshock therapy and hypnosis and vegetables. Who, when when he learns that his treatment doesn't work, if you hear Ben Big Ben, covers it up. Right. And doesn't warn Ella you have to stay away from clocks or it'll undo the conditioning. Doesn't say anything to anybody. This is this is the doctor who prescribed a certain course of treatment, discovered the treatment was not as effective as he had claimed, and doesn't tell his patient right. what's waiting for her. And if they had made it that Cruella was faking being Ella this whole movie, right. this would be fine. Exactly. Exactly. So she either has to be faking and then really get locked up, right? And yep. and and everybody knows the truth about her, or she's not faking 
She's evil. She has a moment where she realizes how horrible she's been. And she makes a, a she chooses instead of it being foisted upon her to make it to, to, to be better through hypnosis or whatever. She makes an active choice to be a better person because I mean, that's exactly right. And so thematically, it's- that's why this movie ultimately fails. Because the theme of this movie, as we're watching it, is this movie can't, is that no one who is bad can ultimately be better. And what a right. terrible message for children. Second chances are only for people who were always good and made a mistake. But if you were bad or wrong, you will forever be bad or wrong. There is no such thing as a second chance. Even, I mean, an argument that, like, how did Cruella even get to this doctor? She must have signed up for it. Oh, it's upset. On some level. Yeah. It's, it's, and I don't think the movie is thinking about this at all. No, but, but that's it, what, I mean, that it's glaring. And I don't know if it's just it's glaring, glaring because no, it's- I was 20, mad. If, I don't know if it's glaring because it's 2023 and we think more deeply about how children react to movies or if it's, but it just seems so cheap. And the fact that you have people, so here's the other part of it. Wouldn't it be better if we had a parole officer who maybe didn't believe that people could get better? Maybe they were jaded and whatever, and they see Cruella get better, and it changes the way they treat their other parolees, right? Why is that? Alternatively, alternatively, Cruella thinks she's faking being good. But she has this parole officer who believes that she can be better. Yeah. And maybe it makes, maybe in the pretending to be good, she discovers her goodness. Every second of this movie where Glenn Close is not on the screen is a wasted moment. So if you want to, you can make her the protagonist of this movie. Yeah. She can be Cruella DeVille, but she has to be in the process of becoming good. I don't mind watching good people become bad. If they're making choices that turn them bad, but having the badness foisted on them because they heard uh, like a bell, I mean, it's like she a bell ring. That's not a choice, Cruella made. It's something that happened to her. It it she's not. I don't want a Cruella Deville who's not responsible for her actions. Correct, and that's what this movie gives us. It, instead of the monster that we previously had, mm-hmm. who was ego run amok. This is someone who is forced to be that way because of the way in which her her mental illness was mistreated. And that's gross. That's it's really gross. It's really and gross. And it's gross to condemn her at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah, and and ultimately, you know, we've talked about this many, many times and we've almost laughed about it like we don't always talk about themes anymore in Disney movies because thematically they're all sort of the same in that one of the themes is always redemptive love. This movie is not about redemptive love. Love won't redeem you. No. Because Cruella, because Ella was capable of love. She was demonstrating love to other people. It just wasn't enough. As soon as she became Cruella, all of the love died. Right. And it, and it wasn't by a choice. If you're if you're are if you're telling a redemption story, the redemption needs to happen. Yeah, and it's not happening here. And worse, not only is it not happening, it's pointing it out that it can't ever possibly happen. We have multiple yes. lines delivered by Chloe, the parole officer, 
where she says things like, oh, she'll never get better. And then Kevin's like, well, everyone deserves a second chance. She'll never get better. Everyone deserves a second chance. Nope. Nobody deserves a second chance. The truth is that nobody can ever get better. That's the message of this film. Not not something I'm going to want a kid to watch for sure. Well, let's. I, this this movie was actually written by Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> I don't know if you know he was one of the writers on this. It's all about damnation. Okay, so uh, protagonist problems. We have many. We have many, and one of the biggest problems is, uh, I, I could not tell you who the protagonist is. I can tell you who I think it should be, <laughs> but but it, yeah. it is. I mean, I I I came to this thinking it's Cruella. Cruella is the protagonist. It makes sense, and she's she's on this journey of change. That is hysterical to me. Um, that's a great premise. I think sure. Um, but. We don't follow that all the way through and it gets convoluted. And then I think, okay, well, maybe it's this Ian guy's story because he is sure. in the parole office, right? Well, maybe it's Kevin's story. Maybe it's Chloe's story. I And in the end, I couldn't tell you whose story this is. It's a series of I'll things tell you that whose happen. Story it is. Tell me, please. It's Oddball's story. <laughs> it's the dog's story. It's the oh, dog's story. Okay. And, and I'm being tongue-in-cheek here <laughs> but actually if we use our definition of what a protagonist is supposed to do all right oddball does it all okay <laughs> so i will throw out that oddball is the character who has the confrontations with cruella um it isn't chloe that's and true. it isn't kevin yeah in that final scene it's Oddball fighting for the life of her family mm-hmm. against Cruella DeVille, and she triumphs over You are not wrong. Oddball is the one who goes on a journey from one world to another. The rest of the group follows Oddball there, but it is Oddball who actually travels to France. It is Oddball who goes to all the locations and all the places. But, Andy, here's the real reason I know Oddball is the protagonist. Okay. It is because... She and Cruella are foils for one another. Because Oddball, as you see, she wants to wear Dalmatian spots. She is a a dog who has no black spots on her, and she feels like she would look better if only she looked more like a Dalmatian. But Andy, that's what Cruella wants, too. In a more wicked way, right? Oddball wants to be sure and grow up. Yep, yep, yep. Oddball at one point wears a sweater. Mm-hmm. That has the Dalmatian dots on it. Fair and enough. isn't that what Cruella wants? I, I imagine a scene in which in which, you know, um Cruella and Oddball are at a restaurant and Cruella says, Well, Ms. Oddball, you and I are very much alike. In another life, we could have been friends. But here is the thing. Oddball, as much as she wants her spots, would never sacrifice other puppies to get those right, spots. Right. And Cruella would. And I wholeheartedly believe that the writers of this movie intend for me to be making this connection. That Cruella's arch enemy is this dog. Yeah, I think you're right. Oddball is the one who grows and changes. Yeah. Oddball is the the one who has to overcome. And she gets her spots. She earns her reward. 
Um, you know, at, at first she's putting the other dogs in danger for her, and now she's got to she's got to get them out of danger. She goes on a hero. She becomes the hero of of the story as opposed to like the victim of of the dogs. Uh, she she rewrites her narrative, okay. and it's all done without di- dialogue, and it's all done with very little screen time. But boy, there's a lot of fat in this script, right? If that's the case, then there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of fat that we don't need. Right. We need more. We need more oddball. We need less Kevin and Chloe. We need a whole lot less of that lapelt character. Yep. Right. Um, and yeah, we get more from Waddlesworth than Macaw than we do from oddball. And and you know what this movie doesn't need? I know you like Waddlesworth. I do. I know you I do. do. We have so many animals. We have so many animals. We have 102 dogs. Then we've got Kevin's dogs, and then we've got a parrot. And this parrot is jarring in the sense that the parrot acts as translator between the dogs and the human. It's in this middleman sort of road because the dogs don't have voices. The parrot has the voice. And I found myself missing the original animated movie uh-huh. in which Pongo and the, and the other dog and Perdita and the other dogs talk to one another. And I feel like this movie is like, well, since the dogs can't talk because in the original live action, they can't talk. Right. Let's create this parrot who will who will talk for them. It's messy. Well, it's messy. It would be OK. And, and yeah, and we we can talk about this when we when we play the game. Let's talk about when we play okay. the game. Well, I'll, I'll just throw out one more thing. OK, you could do a movie in which Wildworth the parrot was the protagonist here. Oh, sure. In which it, there are 101 Dalmatians at the Dalmatian plantation, and then Waddlesworth the parrot shows up saying he's a Dalmatian, and he's the 102nd Dalmatian, and none of them accept him as the Dalmatian. Right. But when Cruella comes to rescue them, he's the Dalmatian. You don't get the Dalmatian. You go to war with the Dalmatians you got, not the Dalmatians you want. Right, and, right. And he, he rescues them. You could do that. Yeah, could do be, that. What's missing, I think, from this is a story purpose. We're getting a lot of stuff, but there's yes. no through line. There's no one person's journey. Nope. And and nobody's gonna win in the end. There is no nope. real win in the end. Because if I mean, they even throw Kevin in jail at one point because Cruella, you know, he they think, well, he's after the detective thinks he's after Cruella's money, right? And in a right. way, he kind of is. Because when she goes to jail, the money's all his, right? So well, it's it's it just doesn't it doesn't land right. It it's like there's a whole lot of whole lot of issues. But let's let's get into characters. Uh, as you mentioned, Cruella DeVille, when Glenn Close is on the screen, it is a wonder to behold, and she does a whole lot with so little. Um, yeah, she really does. I I think that I think we've kind of talked about how either if she's the protagonist, this is a much more interesting movie. Um, mm-hmm. If if we examine what Doctor Pavlov did to her, it's a more interesting movie because then she is evil, but it's understandable, right? Sure. Um, so yeah. I mean I mean the the real thing here is 
It hurts the movie so much that she's under a mental illness diagnosis, that it makes what she's doing not fun. And I think the viewer is supposed to get past it, and probably the young viewers do, right? Right. But- but for us with our with our 2023 mindset, I can't get past it. Um, I, I came out of this movie hoping hoping that Ella would reemerge at the end of this movie. Yeah. Because here's the other thing. I liked Ella. Oh yeah. I legit I legit found her delightful. The like what what happens when you take all of Cruella's over the topness, but you repurpose it towards good <laughs> in and and the writing on on Ella is and the performance of Ella is fantastic because she's still over the top. Oddball, the dog, the real hero, the real of hero this movie. of this movie. Yeah, what do we think of Oddball? Uh, I hesitate to say this, Go ahead. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. The Dalmatian movies have the worst animal acting of any Disney movie I've seen. They don't give them anything to do. They're all, the dogs have, they have nothing, nothing to, do. to do, and their personalities aren't really. I mean, if you're, I said this about the first movie, that you need to give the dogs more personalities, more distinct personalities. Oddballs is distinct, but it's not about her personality. It's about the fact that she doesn't have spots. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing that defines her is that her physicality is different from the others. But I don't get a sense of that if any one of the other dogs didn't have spots and Oddball did, that that the dogs would be different in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that if that makes sense. Like the fun of having a bunch of animals, live action animals, is to actually give them roles and they're ornaments. They are. For the most part, they're set dressing. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you said it best when we were kind of talking with each other about, I mean, it is really cute and sweet when they're all watching uh, Lady and the Tramp and there's sort of this mashup between what's going on with Chloe and Kevin and what's going on on the screen with Lady and the Tramp. And it's like, if, 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 you've, if you've got to rely on a movie inside a movie, mm-hmm. then you don't have much there, right? I'm sitting there watching Lady and the Tramp with them and I'm like, can we just... Keep watching Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> right. It's a better movie. Larry, are there any of these other characters you want to talk about? <laughs> yes. I need to talk about I need to talk about Kevin. Okay. Because uh, Kevin and Ian, because I have a theory about them oh, that I, I okay. desperately need to share. Okay. So Kevin, Kevin and Ian are working at the Second Chance dog shop. Uh, we know that both of them have been to prison previously. And in fact, we will later find out that Kevin was in prison for dog napping. Uh, specifically, he dog napped, but it was really more of a rescue from a lab situation right. than it was like. Um, but I don't think that was the original script. And I think probably what happened in the original script uh, was better than this. This this is what I think. Tell me what you I think, think originally Kevin and Ian were Jasper and Horace Baden and that their previous dog napping career was from the first movie when they stole all of those dogs. Oh, that makes so much sense. And and if you do it that way, because one of them is serious and kind of good looking, uh-huh. that's like the 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 Hugh Laurie uh uh one I think that's Jasper. Yeah. And the other one is goofy and comical and that's Horace. They have experience with dogs. They're down on their luck. It's called the second chance. So if you want to do a redemption movie, can the Baddens 
turn it around. And when you bring Cruella back into their life, will she tempt them back towards villainy? Or, or we, are they good enough now to resist that temptation? And I, and honestly, I like Jasper and Horace uh, as characters. And I think then you get your redemption. Not everybody has to be redeemed, right. but someone needs to be legitimately redeemed. And if Cruella can't be redeemed because she is irredeemable, seeing Jasper and Horace actually succeed and and build the I mean, they took care of dogs right. in the first movie. Right. Okay. I, okay, I've got this. That's my theory. I've got this, though. I think, I think you're on the money on this, but I think what probably was was going on, okay, that I cannot prove any of this, is that sure. Cruella was meant to be the protagonist of this film, that Horace and Jasper were meant to help her, you know, continue in her rehabilitation. And then she meets LaPelt who is all about still skinning animals, right? And, and, tempts, and her tempts her back into this. And then they, and then Horace and Jasper and the puppies have to bring Cruella away from LaPelt. And LaPelt ends up off, ends up getting the fate that, you know, was meant for Cruella. I think that's a better movie. I think that's, and that's a movie about redemption. Exactly. Because it's, because it's easy to be good when you're not tempted. Right. And so so you can have these characters who are like, will it stick? Will it stick? They're not being tempted. But once they're tempted, what do they do? Yeah. Do they fall back on old patterns or are they, have they really changed? I think this movie is so much better if it's Jasper and Horace. Oh, yes. Because we miss, a million we miss times. them. I miss Pongo and Perdita. I miss Roger and Anita. Yeah, I you know I yeah. I just I don't understand why we're introducing new characters when the old ones are so interesting and part of the franchise. We certainly had a lot of them. Yeah, we certainly had a lot yeah. of them, and they were established. Uh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I guess the other thing to talk about is Lapelt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the right thing to do in this movie to create another Cruella Deville character, right? Uh, but LaPelt immediately becomes her lackey. And uh, another fun thing to do would be for Cruella to become part of a power couple. That there's yes. this other person out there who is as evil and a match for her yeah. that they recognize each other as equals. And and maybe they fall in love. They're like a wicked pair. And, and this movie almost does it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... All of the elements are here. Yeah, the visual, the, the visuals are great. You got the yeah. dogs. You've got all the things, and it's like you're, I you know I told you pre-production. It's kind of like I'm at a potluck dinner, and there are all these things, and I just kind of mindlessly put stuff on my plate, and I get back to the table, and absolutely none of it goes together. Right. You know, I've got spaghetti and ambrosia salad, and like some sort of you know green bean casserole like none of it matches none of it goes and i together. brought a ton of heat right. yes it's like none, none, of, it none of it together together and so they're trying to make it go together by going okay well let's keep the same music here let's work on like it doesn't work it just doesn't connect and honestly that that theme where kevin is saying people deserve a second chance because i got one and Chloe is going, nope, people are evil forever. Like, and that that's how we end this just makes me angry. 
It makes me angry. The person who's redeemed in this movie is Kevin, but what we learn is he didn't actually commit the crime that he was accused of. That's not the sort his reputation's been redeemed. Right. But that's that's not what redemption is. No. Redemption requires forgiveness and change, and Kevin is just fine at the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a problem. All right. It is. All right. I think we've been kind of playing this game that I came up with uh, the whole time, which is how do we fix this picture? Um, I that is the game today. I decided okay. I didn't want to pitch. I was like, okay, here's our game. How do we fix this picture? Okay. Well, my answer to this, Andy, is that our main character should be Ella Deville, but that our antagonist should be Cruella Deville. And what I want to see is Ella Ella gets released from, from the hospital and she's trying to be good, but people are taking advantage of Ella. And she starts like Green Goblin style seeing Cruella in the mirror and Cruella starts saying some things that are probably true, that because she's so vulnerable, people will try to take advantage of her. Mm-hmm. I would also probably throw into there, I, I can keep the clock chain like w- might turn ella back into cruella but i want to do jekyll and hyde with it Ooh. i want them going back and forth that sometimes she's ella sometimes she's cruella and they're moving back and forth and the idea is that cruella is slowly taking over for ella and ella because ella's a pushover ella doesn't fight back enough ella learns how to fight back the final sequence of this movie should be in a dream state where it's Ella DeVille versus Cruella DeVille, and Ella should get the chance to get rid of Cruella once and for all by standing up for herself. I love it. For being being strong without being evil. And then we have a redemption story in which someone had, like, has overcome, has overcome, you know, the, the mental illness that was afflicting them. Um, also, I put some dogs in there. Somewhere in that movie, there'll be dogs. But I think that. But then Glenn Close can always yeah. be on the screen. Always, every scene. I think that's so genius, and I, I, I love it. I also like the idea of the what we thought was the original of Cruella, you know, being redeemed with Horace and Jasper, and I, yeah. I like the idea that they kind of fall off the wagon, like maybe as a group. Uh, and and that Waddlesworth becomes the intermediary translator for Oddball, right? And Oddball ends up taking these guys on. And Waddlesworth is explaining to us what Oddball you know, what Oddball wants, not so much what is going on or what Waddlesworth wants or whatever, so that we can kind of get into Oddball's head a little more. I also think this movie plays with Cruella getting a dog. It's a dog that doesn't have fur yes. um, and what have you. Uh, I think there's something to be said for through the love of her dog and her dog's love for her. Yeah. Ella can defeat Cruella. That yeah. When, uh, it's the love part of redemptive love. Yeah. I, and, and it's and irresistible. Listen, you, that there's something yeah. irresistible about this dog. And maybe it's an irresistible part of Oddball. Maybe- Cruella's sure because maybe Cruella starts to see herself as oddball. 
Maybe Cruella adopts Oddball. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the thing that needs to happen in this movie is these two characters need to meet each other and love each other. And the love for a dog and, and their master is enough. Is the compelling. And that is the part that's so compelling that Cruella that, like you said, the Ella feet defeats uh, Cruella. Yeah. I, th- I think that's how you fix this movie. Oh, that's so much better. I, I just feel like this, like I said, it just feels half-baked. <laughs> Throw it all in the oven! <laughs> you know, and then Cruella comes out, got, and, and, and listener at home, Cruella does come out a fully baked cake, but she's walking around as a cake. Uh, it's a lot. It's it a lot. <laughs> that poor bakery. Like right? that business is ruined now. Once it gets out that the dogs were down there and that a person almost died, that that restaurant is going out of business. Hopefully the owners come back in 103 Dalmatians goodness. to get revenge on those dogs. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> Larry, do you feel better now? Because I know we, we struggled with this I don't. One. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel better. Can you put it to bed at least? I will. I will. I never watch this movie. Here's the thing. I now hate this franchise mm. uh, in the way in which uh, I didn't hate it before. I didn't like it. But but like we still have 101 Dalmatians two to watch down the road. My goodness. Um, and I'm not looking forward to it at all. I'll watch it. Not this season. No. Not this season. But, but, but I cannot wait. I cannot wait to put this to bed and know that the next time we're covering 101 Dalmatians is the year 2041 <laughs> when we do, when we cover Cruella on our podcast. No, I will tell you that Cruella, the movie, is so good. And okay. had I seen this first, I would not have gone to see Cruella. That is the truth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's a, that's a rough Well, all right. It's over. <laughs> Yep. And if you happen to like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And you can always check out our new website at onceuponadisneypodcast.com. You can check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page, uh, or you can drop a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Diggy, diggy, dog, diggy, diggy, dog. Diggy, diggy, dog.